You may have noticed in our bulletin we have the Glory Be Girls insert. And there's going to be what they said to me was going to be a special Glory Be Girls meeting. I think it's special because both the guys and the gals are invited to this one. They asked me to be the featured guest. I see that. That's makes me feel very importante. And if you have a question, this is all for questions. In fact, that's what this uh, card is attached to this insert, is if you have any questions that has to do with the Bible, um, just put them on this card. And if you're going to be here, you can just bring them with you or you can put them in the prayer request box. So even if you're not going to be here, you can... Put your question on here, and it will be answered. And they tell me that it's going to be recorded also. So, (laughs) you know, when they asked me to do this, I thought, well, at least it's not going to be recorded. (laughs) So I guess you could uh, request a CD, and they'll have it for you. Anyhow, that's going to be at 1030 Wednesday, this Wednesday, here at the church. And says, join the fellowship. Uh, Ty Furlow asked me if he could have the uh, pulpit for a few moments this morning. Uh, he has something he would like to um, address the congregation. So, Ty, if you'll come up right now. I think this is working. You can use this mic. Good morning. Yes. Whoa. (laughs) That got me too. All right. Thanks, Mike. You gave me five minutes, which kills me because I'd like to stand up here the whole hour. (laughs) But that's okay. Um, If you're a visitor, just bear with us just for a couple of minutes. We're going to talk about one of our family members, one of my biological family members, but one of the family members of Country Bible Church. I've got two little girls. I know you see Adeline running around all the time. She's growing too fast. And the young one is growing really fast, too, Shaylee. And I'm going to talk to you about Shaylee real quick. That way we don't have to say the same thing a hundred times when people are asking the questions of why she's wearing a little bike helmet. And I'm sure some of you have seen it. It's not a bike helmet. About two months ago, we were on vacation in Rio Doso, New Mexico, and Michelle was holding Shaylee, and she looked at her and she said, uh, her head looks kind of funny. Does it look funny to you? And I looked at it, and from the anterior coming above, looking down, sure enough, that back right side of her head was flat. And as the next, we watched it real closely over the next two to three weeks, and it's just flat on that back right side. So we studied it on the Internet, and it's called plagiocephaly. Plagiocephaly. Anybody heard of that? Neither had we. (laughs) Now, technically, plagiocephaly is a malformation of the head, marked by an oblique slant to the main axis of the skull. However, more recently, the term has been applied to any condition characterized by a persistent flattened spot on the back or the side of the head. It's also known in layman terms as the flat head syndrome, appropriately. Well, her right sternocleidomastoid muscle, which connects here and down here, it causes your head to turn both sides. Her right one was real tight for, it could have been for multiple reasons, whether she was down in the pelvic region that last trimester too much or coming on the way out, it was injured. It it could be anything. 
but she's a good sleeper, little Shaylee, and she started sleeping through the night at a month and a half, you know, which was a blessing, but also those little plates in your head aren't formed uh, until you are after a year, until two years. So she slept, you know, eight hours a night on that right side. And we just thought, hey, she's sleeping good. We didn't notice she was always sleeping to the right side. And so that's what caused this, this flat spot. Now, I've got... <laughs> I had to have a picture, right? Let me see if I can pull this up for you. I want to show you how she feels about it. Now, there's only... We looked it up on the internet. There's 13 locations around the United States called Cranial Technologies that takes care of this sort of issue. One of them happened to be in Austin, which is right down the road from us. Another blessing. There's one in Houston. Yeah, there's, I think there's one in Dallas, too. Texas has a bunch. I don't know if it's going to pull up. I don't think it is. wouldn't work earlier, either. Oh, that's fine. I had some good pictures, too. Oh, well. Michelle, just go ahead and bring her up here. I'll give you the real live picture. <laughs> Can you hold this mic for me? Okay. Okay. She might get upset. She says without that bottle. Hey, look, it's your first time behind the pulpit. <laughs> huh? But women can't have the gift of pastor teachers, so we're going to have to talk about it. Okay. Uh, this came white. It was a white helmet, and it you know, was kind of uh, somebody would look at it you know, and probably be uncomfortable. Some people are brave enough to ask, why does she have a helmet on her head? But most probably would just ignore it, I'd imagine. We were looking on the Internet, and there was a place up in Dallas that um, does these digital 360 wraps for free. For these kids that have this, and just out of the kindness of their heart, they do it. So we set up an appointment, went up there, and got this put on her helmet. It looks pretty good, doesn't it? Yeah, and it says Princess on the front. So, and I, we didn't want her name on there because these Facebook pictures nowadays, and with her name right on the front, everybody in the world knows, you know, who Shaylee is, and I'm kind of a stickler in that area. Um, so that's her little helmet, 23 hours a day. She's going to be wearing it for the next two to three months. And I like to joke around and say that she already received her Stephanos crown before we did. <laughs> you know, she's, already, she's the only human other than Christ that was resurrected and already went to the judgment seat. Right? No, that's not true. But, um, so if you're wondering, that's what it is. And hopefully two to three months, please keep her in your prayers. And it should round itself out. The way this uh, helmet works is interesting. It's not pressure-oriented. Basically, it was growing in a couple of areas the wrong way. And so it's stopping that growth and allowing it to grow in the correct areas. And her head last week grew six millimeters in diameter in one week. So we caught it really young. At four months, we caught it, and usually they don't get the helmet on until eight months. So the Lord blessed us with catching it early, but we still need your prayers with her little head, you know, getting fixed and hopefully coming around again. So please, please keep little Shaylee in your prayers. Thank you, dear. So cute. Okay, uh, one thing y'all can do to help if you, if you feel led to, uh, we are going to incur some uh, financial cost for that. Insurance doesn't cover it, and um, well, some do. Uh, she's not insured anyways, but it wouldn't have covered it even if she had Blue Cross Blue Shield, one of the best. So we're going to incur some cost. If you feel led, I'm going to leave this at the back where Mary's usual place is for communion, and um, I put the name, email, and your phone number. So if you feel led like you want to support us fundraising, 
we're going to be, you know, the fundraiser we're doing is, is I'm going to run a marathon in February, the, the Austin Marathon. I know, I've never done one. And Michelle's going to do a half marathon, and she's never done a half marathon. So basically, if you want to support, you can support me or Michelle or both of us per mile. So if you pledge a dollar, then it's 26.2 miles. You'll pay $26.20. Or if you don't feel like doing that, you can just give a one-time donation. Um, but don't put that on here. We'll get into the, you know, so-and-so gave this much, and you'll feel compelled. Just put your name, email, and phone number if you feel like it. I'll have it up there, and then I'll get in touch with you, and we can figure out how, if you feel led to help, how you can. Okay? All right. Let's see if there's anything else. I don't think so. See, I want to stay up here. <laughs> I do. Let me just do a corporate prayer real quick, if y'all don't mind. Okay, Father, thank you so much for being omniscient and sovereign and omnipotent. And just all your essence box. Uh, we lean on you with all of our understanding and not our own. In these times where our children go through things like this, I know that she's not the only child in this congregation who has medical issues. So we lift up our children in this church that are going to be the future of this church, hopefully. We pray that you'll be with them and protect them and help them with their medical problems. Little Shaley's head, we know that you're the one ultimately causing that head to grow and providing the logistical grace possible. So we pray that you'll help it to round out and that the doctors and the physical therapist, whoever's involved, will uh, you know, do a good job. And hopefully we can use this as a witnessing tool towards those who don't know your son. So we pray now that that you will be with our family. Give us a relaxed mental attitude with this. It's just one hurdle which we're thankful for, that we get to display patience that you give us in these times of uh, so-called distress according to the world. We pray now you'll help us to um, listen closely to Pastor Mike, learn more today this Sunday so we can apply it in our lives. In Christ's name, amen. Training? Training? Yeah. training. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> I haven't trained as much as I'd like yet. But we are. We're going to be training. So keep that in your prayers, too. Okay, let's uh, prepare ourselves this morning for the Word. Am I on here? Okay. Um, We'll have a few moments of silent prayer. Option of naming any unconfessed uh, sins to God the Father. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that You are our God. There's nothing too small or too large that You can't handle, that You will handle. We thank You that You enabled us to go to You with our petitions, with our prayers, so that we can find out that You are always faithful. And we thank You for this time we have to feed upon Your Word. Pray that You will help us to concentrate For we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, we are zeroing in on the last floor of the divine domain, which is sharing the happiness of God. Most people want to go from ground zero to the penthouse uh, without anything in between. But sharing the happiness of God is not the same as the type of happiness that all humans experience from time to time. There are certain things that we like to do. We might say it makes us happy. Last night I was 
After I was through studying, I sat down. And it was the first time the whole day that something wasn't pressing. I went into the refrigerator and got a big piece of cold watermelon. And I sat down and I... <sighs> with my cold watermelon. And I think I was happy. I mean, that's a certain kind of happiness there. Uh, something about watermelon, isn't it? Uh, there's a few people that I've met that doesn't like watermelon, but most people like it, and it's a fun thing to eat, especially when it's cold. There's a few here that can remember. This was quite a while back. We used to have a volleyball court right over here where the parking lot is, and there used to be a big tree right there right by where I parked, and there was a picnic table under that tree. And we would play volleyball. We even had lights and we played where we couldn't hardly play any longer. And then someone would bring a watermelon. We'd just slice it all long ways, you know, in the different parts like that. And then we would sit there and eat that cold watermelon and spit the seeds out on the ground. <laughs> oh, that was happiness. But that's not the kind of happiness that I'm speaking of with regards to the penthouse of the divine domain. This is where we would all aspire to be. But few people get there because they leave out the floors in between. Sharing the happiness of God is quite different than the type of happiness that I'm describing because every other type of happiness that you may uh, experience is temporary. It only lasts for a short time. Uh, when I sat down last night and at the end of the day everything was taken care of and I could sigh, and eat my cold watermelon, uh, that only lasted for so long. Then I had to get up and take care of other issues. So that's one of the main things that's, that is able to be the distinction between sharing the happiness of God and the other happiness that we experience. And that is sharing the happiness of God can be a permanent thing. It can be something that just doesn't, you just don't have it and then it's gone. Because you take that happiness with you wherever you go because your happiness resides in your soul. And you take it wherever you go. In fact, there used to be a, a song that uh, Carrie used to teach the young people. And there was a song that said, My soul is like a suitcase. Case. I keep Bible doctrine in it. I take it wherever I go. And that's the same thing with our happiness because our happiness is in our soul and we take it wherever we go. There's many that buy into the idea that um, something can make them happy. Uh, a lot of times there's circumstances. In fact, the great majority of people that you will ever come in contact with base their happiness on what their circumstances may be at any given time. In fact, when someone's Meet someone else on the street, a friend, acquaintance. Uh, how's your day? What do a lot of people do? They run an inventory real quickly and say, okay, how is my day? And what are they thinking? They're thinking about, well, things went pretty good today. Uh, I came to work. The car got me here. Uh, there was hot coffee waiting for me when I got here. Whatever it may be, they run this little inventory and then they say, oh, well, yes, uh, I'm having a good day. 
But what if they didn't? What if they had a flat tire? What if the car wouldn't start? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if? All these things. And if it's something that's not on the positive side, they might be honest and say, well, I'm really not having that good a day. And the other person that asks, how is your day, may or may not hang around to hear <laughs> whether you had a good day or not. In other words, it's kind of a, when we say have a good day or how is your day, something like that, most people, it's just a greeting. They really don't want to know. If you're having a bad day, well, if you have a good day, they might hang around for that. There might be something in it for them. But if you're having a bad day, usually that is something people really don't want to want to know about. And so if you say, if someone says, how's your day? And you say, well, I'm not really having a very good day. They, oh, sorry about that. <laughs> Gone. Because if you start to delineate all the maladies of that particular morning, they might not have time to hear all that. So what I'm saying is we have something as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ that unbelievers do not have. Every one of us have a potential to get to that top floor, to share the happiness of God. And you know what that means? It means that you are no longer a slave to your circumstances. Uh, we were talking about uh, recently, we had the 4th of July, and it fell on a Sunday, on our communion Sunday. And we were talking about freedom, and I was thinking about this also. I thought, this is one of the freedoms that I didn't talk about on that day. And that is the freedom from being enslaved to your circumstances. That's what God offers us. But it doesn't come by... Well, first of all, it doesn't come automatically. You don't automatically acquire that the moment that you become a believer. It takes time. It takes, actually, on your part, dedication and a commitment to learn... And grow Because one of the things we're going to be seeing in this study of the happiness of God, sharing it, is that this happiness doesn't come automatically. It's something that is learned. Most people don't have capacity for this because they don't have any doctrine in their soul. So the first thing that separates this is that the circumstances that everybody is depending on, they're enslaved to their circumstances with regards to whether they're going to be happy or unhappy, that is null and void for the believer. He's not depending on his circumstances if he reaches that top floor. Then there's the things, the things that make you happy. The happiness of God does not depend upon things. It doesn't depend on people are things. And this is one that most people don't get. I think when, when you're younger, it might even be harder to understand that your happiness doesn't depend on things because peer pressure is so, so powerful. When I was going to school, I had a uniform. And most of the guys that I knew had a uniform. <clears throat> we didn't call it a uniform, but it essentially was because all of us wore the same thing. It was a Western shirt. Jeans and cowboy boots. That's what our uniform was. However, when we went out on a date, oh, whew, we really, they used to call that dressing to the nines. I don't know if you've ever heard that before, and I've used that expression, but I don't have a clue what it means. 
Where, well, I know what it means, but I don't know where it came from. Dressing to the nines. Anyway, um, we would take a girl out and you would put on slacks instead of jeans. And all the really cool guys were wearing tech slacks. I don't know if any of y'all remember that, but it was slacks. It was called tech slacks. And it was a brand and... Uh, there used to be a place called Harold's in the Heights. And if you got your, your tech slacks from Harold's, it means you were super cool. <laughs> and I wanted to be super cool. So I thought, and I got a date with this girl that I didn't think I was in her league, so I really wanted to have these tech slacks. I thought if I could get these tech slacks, it would make me happy. And I did get some, by the way. There was a guy that my mother knew that was a little older than I was. And when he outgrew his pants and things, he would give them to me. <laughs> well, they don't still do that? Anyway, uh, and his name was Michael also, by the way. Anyhow, um, they would, about once every month or so, there would be a bag show up in my room, and I knew what that was. That was the back of uh, clothes. So I went through the bag of clothes, and I was just so hoping that there was going to be some tech slacks in there. No tech slacks. <laughs> so uh, I'm not going to tell you about the date, but I can just tell you it was a downer because I wasn't happy to begin with. I didn't think I could be happy because I didn't have the thing that I thought was necessary for me to be happy. How many young people are like that? Uh, and I'm a guy, and we're talking about clothes. And that's the only time I can remember that clothes was an issue with me. And I can remember the text like, I don't know why, they were just pants. They just, you know, look like pants. <laughs> so things cannot make you happy. There's one thing about things that you all have to agree. First of all, they don't last. They wear out. They break. They need maintenance. They get out of style. I mean, you, you see where I'm going with this. Whatever it is that you think is going to make you happy is eventually going to be a source of problems. How about, have you ever bought a new car? Do you remember getting your first new car, any of you? Now, my first car was a 58 Chevy. It cost $500. But it wasn't, uh, it was, I got it in 1966, and it was uh, not new by any means. But I remember my first new car, and that was a 68 GTO. Red with a white vinyl top. Mag wheels. I ordered it. <laughs> I ordered it with mag wheels. And I can remember the night before I was supposed to go pick it up at the dealership, I could not sleep. I was so happy, I thought. So I went and I got the GTO, and it was everything I thought it would be. I was just... I, I, it's when you drive down the road and you look around, is everybody looking? This is mine. GTO. So before I got home, I was thirsty. I pulled into a 7-Eleven and got out, came back, and I nearly had a heart attack. 
Somebody had taken their door and thrown it open into my brand new GTO. Didn't have five miles on it. Hadn't driven it five miles. And there was right, the GTOs, they didn't have, it was a real rounded door. And it didn't, didn't have the guards that they have now. It looked really good, but it was very vulnerable to this. And when it, some person, they nearly had to do it on purpose because there was literally a dent this big and a spot missing in the paint where the door hit. And I just, you know, I came out of there, I was on cloud nine, and I looked up. You talk about countenance going from here to here. And I just nearly, I nearly fainted. I just couldn't believe it. <laughs> Five miles and this. And so the person, the car next to it, didn't lock the door. So I opened his car door and it matched perfectly. That's the culprit right there. And I was red as my car was by that time. So I sat on my car. I was just waiting for this person to come back. And I was contemplating all the things I was going to do to him. And how much time I might get. <laughs> Maybe that's a factor that kept me from staying there the whole time. I stayed there about 15 minutes. And finally, over that time, I cooled down a bit, got in my car and left. But that, that smile turned into a frown all the way. That's all it took to take my happiness and it was gone. I could tell you other stories about that car, like the time I went to get a muffler. And I was going to fix my own muffler, but they have mufflers, they have resonators, they have all these things under there, and GTO is cool. It's down there low the ground. And after I worked for a while trying to get these mufflers off, and uh, I, just don't get me around to cars. Those of you who know me, I don't like working on cars. And when I was under a car, I didn't wait. I didn't have enough patience for it to cool off, so everything was hot. It burned my hand. Ants were biting me, and I would, boom, I'd rail, it hit my head. My, my knuckles looked like I'd been in a meat grinder. There was rust all in my eyes, because when you bang on these things, it comes down. And I said, I've had enough of this. I'm going to go get a, put a professional to do it. And then when I found out how much it was going to cost, it had two tailpipes, two resonators, two other things. And Anyway, suffice it to say... That car wound up being a source of problems to me and unhappiness. And that's the way most things are if you are tied in to things. If you think something is going to make you happy, you're in for a rude awakening. Because it may, uh, it's fun to get a new car and go in the showroom and that new car smell. Have you ever noticed something about a new car smell? doesn't last, does it? When that new car smell is gone, it really starts to smell, doesn't it? <laughs> okay, anyway, so people depend on things, and the next thing that people depend on to make them happy, and this is even worse, and that's other people. As great as some people are, they have something in common with everyone else, and that is an old sin nature, and they will eventually let you down. They are going to disappoint you. There will be a time when you see their feet of clay. And they're going to be this, go from this source of, oh, this person's so great. I love to be around them. They smell good. Everything you can think of, just, just so wonderful. But just wait. The time is coming to where you're going to see their foibles, their weaknesses. And if you're depending on them to be happy, what's going to happen when you see those weaknesses? 
You're going, to be, you're going to look like me standing there when I saw that dent in my side of my brand new GTO. I wish I had a picture of that. I'd put it up here. You'd all know exactly what I was talking about. This is five minutes after I left the showroom floor. So what I'm saying is, you've heard this said, but I want you to understand that a, a new car, things can be enjoyable. And it's okay to look forward to having a new car, a new house, a new dress, or whatever it is, text lines. It's okay to enjoy the company of people and to relish being around them. But you have to recognize that you cannot base or stake your happiness on this because it will not last. True happiness is a system of thought in the soul rather than something associated with stimulation or, pressure, or, or pleasure. It's a system of thinking that's in your soul. The pleasure we experience when we're being entertained or having fun is always temporary. can never carry us through the times that are rough or even the routine times. Do you have a routine? We all have a routine, don't we? You probably sleep in the same bed. If you're married, you're probably sleeping by the same person. And they're doing the same thing. And you get up, and whatever your routine is, you go to the bathroom, you brush your teeth, or you um, go into the kitchen. It's the same old kitchen. You've got to be at the same place at the same time. It's the same, same, same the whole time. And that can get... To where it wears a person thin. But if you have the happiness of God, then a routine isn't a downer. It's not Dullsville. In fact, you are thankful that you have a routine. Routines are really a good thing because we need to have some stability. We need to have some order in our life. If every day was different, I mean, you, you had to sleep in a different bed, you got up and went into a, a new bathroom. You went into the kitchen. You didn't know where anything was. I mean, it, it, it's, it, it, there, there is some comfort in a routine. But if you don't share the happiness of God, it can become a downer. One of Satan's most effective lies is that people or things can make you happy. Many believe that self-indulgence is the key and that if you could only amass enough money, enough fame, enough power, and enough success, or if you can have a better car, a better house, a better social life, a better sexual life, a better health, then you'd be happy. Now, I'm bound to hit one of your buttons on that one. How much money is enough money? That's one of Satan's biggest lies, of course, is that if you only had enough money, then you're going to be happy. Well, hopefully you can see through that. But most people buy into it. How do you think these lotteries are, are offering millions, multi-millions dollars for people who get the right number? Because they're thinking that money is going to make them happy. And unfortunately, most of the people who are playing the lottery are those that can least afford it. I've never bought a lottery ticket, and I'm not bragging. I just probably am too tight to do it. But I figure that I have as good, about as good a chance of winning the lottery, not buying a ticket, 
than 99.9% of the people who do. And even when you, when you do win it, you, all you do is just take on another whole host of problems. We, we, we saw that. So money isn't uh, the thing that so many people uh, are, are what they really need. How much fame or power or success is enough? When you go to the movie stars, if you ask them, do you think you're really famous enough? What do you think they're going to say? Or you go to a business tycoon. If you went to uh, Donald Trump and you said, do you think you got enough investments? you think you have enough money? What do you think he's going to say? You see, that's, that's, that's the lure, is that you're going, to, you're going to amass so much of something that you desire, and then it's going to be enough. That's why so many uh, people are so self-indulgent. They say, if I just get everything that I want, then I'm going to be happy. Well, there's not enough things in the world. There's not enough people. There's not enough money for you to amass enough to make you happy because it doesn't make you happy. That's the lie that everybody's uh, buying into on that. People think, well, if I just had a better car, better house, better social life. Let's let's talk about your house for a moment. You like your house? You know what's going to happen to your house eventually? It may crumble and fall. That's right. But all of them, if they're still around, are going to be burned up eventually, aren't they? Along with what else? Everything else. You can't take it with you, and it can't make you happy. So the idea that those things are going to make you happy is a lie, and you are weak to the extent that you depend on such things for happiness. Here's a little thing I found in my notes. I don't know where I got it or who wrote it, but I thought it was pretty nifty. The world has nothing to bestow. From our own self, our joys must flow. Pretty simple. Our own joys must flow, but it doesn't really flow from ourself. It flows from what we are thinking. It's what you're thinking that's going to make you happy or miserable. So the happiness of God is something spiritually mature believers have with them all the time and is related to the immaterial part of man. That would be the soul. It is an enduring mindset of contentment, confidence, and courage. Remember that? That's what people want. They want contentment, confidence, and courage. These are the three things that people are so longing for. And it's an enduring mindset because it does not depend on people's circumstances or things. What it depends on is the filling of the Holy Spirit and the doctrine that you have learned. Because as we're going to see, sharing the happiness of God, that that wonderful ability that God has made a potential for all believers, is something that must be learned. And the reason that people aren't happy is because they haven't learned how to be happy. So you're strong to the degree that you have faithfully received, retained, and recalled doctrine, which affords great inner happiness, and you take it wherever you go. Do you have it this morning? Are you happy? How many of you started running your little inventory? Well, I don't know. Let's see. could be a little cooler in here. Or some of you might think it's a little too cool in here. (laughs) 
There's not a number on that thermostat that's going to please everybody. Here's a few scriptures for you. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 13. How blessed, and this is asherah, and it means happiness, how happy. How blessed or how happy is the man, man who finds wisdom. Wisdom here is referring to truth, which is the Word of God. We call it Bible doctrine. So how happy is the man who finds wisdom, Bible doctrine? What do you have to do before you find something? You've got to look for it, don't you? You've got to be seeking it. So that's the first key, is seeking happiness. In fact, we have that in the Declaration of Independence, remember? We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, endowed by their Creator with certain inalienable rights. Among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of what? Happiness. The pursuit of happiness. It doesn't guarantee happiness, just the pursuit of happiness. And there's a lot of people that are pursuing happiness, but like that old Western song, they're looking in all the wrong places. This is the place. And you show them this book and they, uh, they think this is unhappiness. They think if they're going to tune into this book, they've got to give up all the things that are making them happy. Like fornication and drunkenness and and all the other things that they do. And what they don't realize, they're not happy over it. This is the, the key right here. Boy, I wish you could have seen some of the guys that used to drag in on Mondays. When I used to work in construction. And these guys would brag about this wonderful uh, party-hardy time they had during the weekend. And I said, well, tell me about it. They couldn't tell me two sentences because they blacked out. They got so drunk they passed out. But, oh, it was great. And then they had a hangover, and they came in, looked like something the cat drug in. Okay, so something you have to be looking for. In other words, they were looking for happiness, but they weren't finding it. Proverbs 3.13, How happy is the man who finds wisdom or doctrine, and the man who gains understanding. Understanding is discernment. Discernment comes with knowledge. You know, the Bible is a lot more than just do this and don't do that. It's discernment. You know what discernment is? It's understanding. That's what it's saying. So many times things happen in your life, you're thinking, should I do this? Should I do that? Whatever, blah, blah, blah. What is it? It's discernment. And that's what wisdom or doctrine gives to you. Psalm 37, verse 4 through 5. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of your heart. See, the desire of your heart really is that you want to be happy. You think it might be a new car, new house, new dress, new man, new woman, whatever it might be. But the Lord says, Delight first of all in the Lord, and He shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit thy way to the Lord. Trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. These are all in the imperative, by the way. It says, Commit thy way to the Lord. A lot of people think, Oh, commit my way to the Lord. That means I have to quit saying expletives, and I can't go to certain movies and I can't dance, and I can't drink, and I can't, 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 can't. That's not what this is talking about. This is talking, committing your way to the Lord means, first of all, you have to learn what to do. How do you execute the Christian way of life? How do you do it? Well, you, you can't know unless you commit your way to the Lord, which is learn. Learn by sitting under a pastor who is prepared, under the filling of the Holy Spirit. Then you learn to trust also in Him. 
You trust Him with your happiness. Do you trust God with your happiness? Or are you out there on a frantic search yourself? What is it? If I gave you a list today, the card that you got, uh, don't do this because that card is to write your questions on, but that card that was in the bulletin, if you were going to put a list on there of things that you trust for happiness, what would it be? And if people were honest, some of them, they'd have a long list. But really, you had a, all you need is a very a short list. In other words, all you need to do is delight yourself in the Lord. Delighting yourself in the Lord means that you have to delight yourself in the Word. You cannot. It is impossible to delight yourself in the Lord if you don't delight in learning Bible doctrine. You either have one or the other, but you can't have the... Love of the Lord or trust the Lord apart from learning His Word. Then we have Matthew six thirty three. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. What things? Things that will really make you happy. Do you think God knows better than you do about what will make you happy? What do you think? Do you think that He's just left it up to you to muddle through life getting a new GTO and that's supposed to make you happy? Or if you trust in Him, is He going to bring about the very things that He knows is going to make you the most happy? Of course it is. We were talking about about learning and what might be. So turn to John chapter 15. In your Bibles. See, Satan has provided the false system, and you decide to use it or not. Satan's system is get by the lottery. Pressure your husband till he bring till he buys you that mink stole. Make everybody miserable in your house until you get what you want. That's Satan's system, and a lot of people buy into it. Or it might be for the guy, the husband. Your wife needs a new washing machine. Your kids need new clothes. But go ahead and buy that boat. It'll make you happy. John fifteen eleven. I have taught you these things. Circle the word taught. That means you're learning something. It's something that is taught. I have taught you these things in order that my happiness, and put a, a plus and a capital H. That's just our little code for God's happiness, is a plus H with a capital H. I have taught you these things in order that my happiness might be in you. An underline might be. You know what that means, don't you? It's only a potential. It's a possibility, but it's not automatic. See, a lot of people think, well, I'm going to be become, a, be become a Christian, and then I'm going to be happy. I'm going to join the nut club on Channel 14 where I'm just bouncing off the walls and hollering, raising my hands and hooping and hollering and carrying on. I want to be one of those types. Well, that is pseudo. It is not what happens when you become a believer. So, I have taught you these things are that my happiness might be in you, and that your happiness, what does it say? Might be, underline that, might be fulfilled. 
only potentials here. What does it depend on, by the way? It's a potential. What is it that is going to determine whether you are going to, as it says in the verse, that you uh, might have my happiness, that's God's happiness, and that your happiness might be completed? What, what is it that it depends on? Depend on. Does it depend on anyone other than you? Well, God is going to provide it, but it depends on your decision. Where are you looking for happiness? Are you looking for happiness in things, people, or what? Circumstances? Or are you looking for your happiness with regards to your relationship with God? Because that's where happiness is. Here's the key. You don't find happiness by seeking happiness. You get happiness by seeking God. You got that? I'll say it again. You don't find happiness by seeking happiness. You get happiness by seeking God. When you seek God, then you're going to have the capacity for happiness. To say that happiness becomes complete or fulfilled means it develops in stages. Growing up spiritually is a gradual process, and as you grow, your capacity for happiness increases in proportion to your spiritual growth. Spiritual growth is when you start on the first floor of the divine domain and you grow, grow, grow. Eventually you reach the top. That's spiritual growth. And when you get to that tenth floor, it means you have enough doctrine in your soul, you're thinking Christ's thoughts, then you have the capacity to be happy. You're not seeking happiness. It's a result of growing up spiritually. So acquiring God's happiness is not automatically, it's only potential. And something must be learned. Turn your Bibles to Philippians 4.11. Philippians 4.11. This is the Apostle Paul, no less. If you were to, to, to name a person that you would think probably was smarter than anybody with regards to the spiritual life, who would it be? Probably be the Apostle Paul, right? He more, wrote more of the New Testament than anyone. He, the, real, the mystery doctrines of the church age, the great things were written by Paul. But look what he says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content. Underline that. I have learned to be content. It wasn't automatic. In whatever circumstances I am. Would you like to say that? Would you like to say it and it be a truth? Be truthful? Well, it can happen, but it's not going to happen unless you've gone through all those floors of the divine domain. Verse 17, I know how to get along with humble means. Oh, <laughs> that's the toughie for a lot of people. Downsizing, getting a smaller car, doing without 
You know, that rains on a lot of people's parade. People don't like to downsize. They don't like to give up anything. You get used to a certain lifestyle, and it's not so easy to cut back. But Paul says, he, he, now, he, after he says, I have learned these things, I know how to get along with humble means, and I know also how to live in prosperity. Well, you know, we are such fallible creatures. When times are hard and we have to cut back and we don't have everything we'd like to have, what do we do? Complain. Woe is me. What, whatever happened to all the things I had before? I mean, and the, it's just a big self-pity party there. However, it says, and also I know how to live in prosperity. So when, we're, when we're, things are, are, are going bad, we're complaining down in the dumps. When everything is going great, then we're strutting about pompous as if we had something to do with it, do about it. It's God's grace the whole time. He knows how to live in prosperity. Do you know that there are very few rich people that give a hoot about God or His Word? That's because they can't handle prosperity. What do they need God for? They've got servants to take care of everything that they need. They have the best of everything. What does God have to offer? And so a lot of people fail that test. So whether we're down or whether we're up, it's something that we have to learn how to deal with it. In any and every circumstance, I have learned. There it is again. Underline it. I have learned. He's learned how to do this. He's learned the secret of being fulfilled or being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. In other words, it didn't care... Paul didn't care about whether he was going to miss the next meal or not. He didn't care if he was going to get on a boat and the next thing you know, he's out there treading water in the middle of the med at night. What do you think that's going to be about? You know, that, all these, he didn't care when he went into a town and he gave the gospel and they, they thanked him by uh, tying him up and beating him with a, with a, with a stick. He didn't care about any of those things because he carried his happiness with him. He had learned if they were beating him, if he was treading water in the Mediterranean, whether he was hungry, whether he was thirsty, no matter what it was, it didn't matter to him in any and every circumstance. He had learned the secret to be content. And that's not just for Paul. That's for every one of us. Now, how valuable is that? Is that something you would like to have? Well, I'm telling you, you can have it. And it's free. But first of all, you have to believe it. If you don't believe it, go out and buy your new thing, whatever you want, and see how long that's going to last. See how much happiness that's going to bring you. The mature believer is not a slave to his circumstances because of what he has learned. When the urge to complain and gripe about things that are unfair or when things go from bad to worse, the mature believers remembers that God allows adversity in our lives so that He can promote us. That's something the unbeliever doesn't have. Is adversity, is adversity going to come in your life between now and the time that you check out? Are you going to have adversity? How many of us will probably have adversity before this day is out? Some of you might be going through adversity right now. I don't know. You know, I can tell when somebody is sour. 
when they're bitter or when they don't like what I'm saying. Because body language, you know. I've seen people with the whole message. And everybody around, you know, just like this. I suspect that we all are going to have adversity and soon. But what the, what the mature believer does, he understands that if he gets into self-pity, if he gets angry, and if he finds himself complaining, you know, this is what, we ought to have some kind of strings in our arms that goes from, from here to our mouth. And every time a complaint goes out, it just goes... Wouldn't that be neat? People be smacking themselves in the face the whole time. Some people, some people wouldn't even be able to talk. How was your day? <laughs> that would be better. And we're all tempted to do it. But there are no strings here, so we just let it flow. And when we do that, and even mature believers prone to do that from time to time, but they might not literally go like there, but they think in their mind, oh yeah, what am I complaining for? The Lord allowed this to come into my life, and it was for a reason, it was for a purpose. And the purpose is so that He can demonstrate His faithfulness to me, and that He can advance me spiritually so I will get more rewards and decorations, which glorifies Him. What kind of deal is that? Isn't that a wonderful deal? And a, and a believer that's grown knows that and does that. So the diversity doesn't get him down. He understands what it's all about. But he had to learn those things. Happiness is always related to God. Remember that? That was the first thing I showed you on the PowerPoint. It's impossible to share the happiness of God if you have just a casual desire to get to know God better through His Word. If it's a casual desire, you're going to have casual happiness. I don't know about you, but I want, I want the gusto type of happiness. And it is directly related to your relationship with God and the doctrine that you know. Because the adversity is coming. I'm telling you, it's going to be here. Some of you may have a hard time concentrating today because the adversity in your life is so great that it's just it's like this in your mind the whole time. And I'm telling you, you can get rid of that. You just say, okay, God, it's in your hands. I'm not, what am I worried about? I'm just along for the ride. I'm just going on a trip that you have designed. And wherever there's adversity, it's for you to demonstrate your faithfulness. I have the option and the ability to be accelerated in my spiritual growth and be promoted over this. And when you're thinking like that, that's called divine viewpoint. And you know what you have? Contentment, courage, and confidence, which can be called happiness. And that's what God wants us to have. That's what we all can have. But we have to learn it. And I've just started to fight here. And I'm past time already. So let's all please uh, bow your head and close your eyes. I ask you to do that for privacy because there may be someone here that hears all this about happiness but doesn't even know Jesus Christ. When I say know Jesus Christ, I'm talking about believed Him for their own personal salvation. And that can be done in a moment of time. The great news, not good news, but the great news is that Jesus Christ went to the cross and paid for your sins. He paid for your sins... To the point where he said, it's finished, it's completed, I've done it. 
He died and was buried, resurrected the third day, now offers eternal life to anyone who will trust Him and Him alone for it. That's the beginning part. That's where it starts. Because happiness is related to your relationship with God, and your relationship with God is through Jesus Christ. He made it possible. So you can have that simply by acknowledging in your own mind. You don't have to say anything. God knows what you're thinking. This is the moment that you're believing in the Lord Jesus Christ and trusting Him and not your own righteousness. And that's the moment you're born again and become a royal family member permanently. Now, Father, thank You for this time You've given us to focus on what is really important in this life. We all want to be happy. Very few know how to be happy. But You have given us Your Word. You've given us the keys, the secret, the ability to gain that capacity as we grow in grace and knowledge as we worship You. So we pray that You will help us to remember this in times of adversity. And we pray it all in Christ's most high and holy name. Amen.